Hey everyone, I'm so, so excited to share this week's episode with you guys. I have an amazing guest on the show, but because this is my first time recording long distance, the audio is a bit spotty at times. But this was such an amazing conversation and one of my absolute favorite episodes, so I highly suggest sticking through it. I cannot wait to share with you this week's conversation. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. I'm Mosey Truitt, and welcome to the podcast where we explore the amazing and vast wisdom of horses, as well as the incredible and magical connection they share with their human companions. Welcome to In the Spirit of Horse. Today on the podcast, we are here with Tara Davis. Some of you may know her as Unbridled Goddess on Instagram and online. Tara is a student of the horse and the human behind Unbridled Goddess. Specializing in rehabilitation and empowerment, she is currently working to create a haven of learning and healing for both horse and human. Welcome, Tara. How are you? I'm so excited to be talking to you. Likewise, I'm so good. I couldn't be better right now. This is... I've got to say, this is pretty awesome to be here talking with you right now and being a part of this. Well, I am so excited. We talked a little bit yesterday about a few things we wanted to talk about. And what I think is so interesting is you are actually building your own ranch right now, like your own setup for the horses, right? I am. Yeah. Building a little sanctuary right now. That it's so great. I think um, I've been kind of following your progress on Instagram and it's just looking so amazing and it's inspiring me so much because I'm actually working on building kind of the same thing too right now and we talked a little bit yesterday about how um, it's such an interesting process um, building something kind of different for the horses and I would just love to talk about what you're building and the ideas that have come to you and what you're kind of trying to provide for your horses with this that's new and a little different than the traditional way we think of keeping horses sure yeah we had um you know mentioned a little yesterday how it's like embarking on this brave new adventure because there isn't you know you can't just go online and find the uh the blueprints for a barn that really takes into account the social constructs and the needs of the horses in the way that i'm really hoping to be able to provide for my herd once this barn and this uh facility is all finished building yeah, I, I completely agree. I've been um, kind of finding the same thing, that it's hard to find exact information about how to put it together. So I have all these ideas that of how to provide for the needs of my horses and for horses in general. And there's a lot out there about providing basic things like food and water. And some people think of space and some people think of herd when it comes to the needs of the horse. But I think those those last two, space and herd, are sometimes not prioritized. And then I also think that mental stimulation and decision-making and exploration are also kind of needs of the horse that are really not um, attended to in the way that we traditionally keep horses. I absolutely agree. And it's definitely something that, especially on the note of stimulation and decision-making, that's something that's so fascinating because the space that I have my horses in now is an amazing space and I'm so lucky to have it. I'm so lucky to be able to keep the horses there, but I find it not very stimulating at all because it's, it just is a big flat pasture, which is awesome. It gives them lots of space. They actually create their own tracks. You can really follow and see the, the paths that they take and they stick pretty regularly to those paths. But at the end of the day, it is just a big flat pasture, and I'm really excited to be able to provide something that's a little bit more um, stimulating and and kind of gives them that um, proprioception that you know horses in the wild really experience. And I can imagine must give them a lot of joy, like being able to explore and and use their muscles in new kind of more creative ways rather than just kind of wandering around from grass to water to hay bags to shelter you know yeah oh, I feel you so much um because that's the same kind of situation I have here 
my horses are in really big pastures and I'm so grateful to have this much space for them, but it is still like a box. And Mm -hmm. the, Yeah. yeah, the first podcast I ever recorded, like episode one was about mental stimulation of the horse and going Mm -hmm. into a few different things we can do to kind of alleviate chronic boredom. But I think it's such an interesting thing to look at how we keep horses rather than just training because while training can come in and and when I say training I mean more of like play and engagement with the horses it can come in as a supplement for that Mm -hmm. I think the more we can put focus on how they're like quote-unquote kept or how we care for them and the lifestyle they live even when they're not with us or training with us is so important and so exciting to look at. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. I I believe it was Kathy from Intrinsin. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But um, the Instagram account, who I absolutely love, she had mentioned how um, she had kind of been observing that the horses in Iceland, in Iceland, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, that they, um, you know, the, even like the world-class champions were kept out in these fields that were really challenging and would be fields that, especially here in America, we would take one look at it and be like, I'm never putting my horse out here. Um, right. And she was saying how she found it really interesting that these horses had this really innate ability to move and, uh, you know, a, a true internal motivation to be able to move in new ways that a lot of horses tend to be kind of stunted in when they're kept in, you know, smaller areas. Um, so I've been taking that kind of idea into account where I can create, I'm trying to create a more challenging space. And of course the space that I'm working with happens to be a large flat field. (laughs) So I'm kind of having to get creative with, um, coming up with interactive landscaping so that the horses can um, can have some different options to explore and um, choose to move in new ways. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to hear what you're doing because that <laughs> mine is basically the same kind of thing too. It's flat land with like little slopes. Um, but you're right. First of all, I love Kathy from I think it is in Trenton. I always mm-hmm. like I barely pronounce names online in my head, but. Um, but I know who you're talking about and I think her work is amazing. And, and yeah, after being, um, out with the wild horses quite a lot this year, it's been apparent to me how much sturdier they are. And I think in a way Mm -hmm. we, we shelter our horses so much that be, that they become fragile and that it's like the more we, Yeah. yeah, like the more we like think they can't do something, the more that their body just isn't able to handle it as well. On that brief note, I know I kind of love going off on sidebars, but um, I've been noticing this winter, I, I get so anxious when I see my horses, you know, they love to run around every every evening. They go for their, like, evening gallop around the pasture, and they just tear around and are, you know, sliding all over the place and you know my heart rate goes through the roof and I'm always so nervous like oh they could pull something they could injure something they could you know clip themselves in some way but um it's been interesting the like the more they do it the more even if they do kind of have to catch themselves and sometimes it seems like the more athletic they're able to more athletically they're able to interact um in general and they've actually become really really good at at navigating slippery and like footing that typically I would I would be really uncomfortable um, having them move over they've become so adept at moving over it now which has been really interesting to see them acclimate to that Um, because you know in the wild and growing up evolutionarily they would never have been like well I'm not going to walk through this slippery patch of of grass they would have moved over it and like become you know, adept at moving, moving through these new situations. So that's been really cool to observe, even just in this past winter on my slippery, flat, muddy pasture. Yeah, that is amazing because I really think that like fear definitely plays a big role in this. Like I know for me, even building this, the ranch that I want to build, 
the voice that like keeps me from really wanting to give the horses the lifestyle I want to give them is always one of fear. It's always one of Mm -hmm. them getting hurt or, or just freedom having its, like it's dangers kind of, um, mixed in with it and wanting to control everything. And it's been, it's been kind of a, a lesson for me learning to find the balance between keeping them safe, but then also allowing them to actually like live and have freedom and have a good Mm. life and to build their own strength up. And I mean, you do see wild horses, they're like galloping and trotting and like all of these things over the rockiest terrain. Like I was out Mm -hmm. this fall with wild horses and it's terrain that like I'm stumbling over. It's just rock after rock after rock. And they're moving along it just so gracefully and seeing them move like that. I'm like, I would be so terrified just to walk my horses over this ground, but they're strong and they've been doing it since they're foals. And you see that. And, and I do think that our horses become as fragile as we keep them to kind of be. I agree 100%. Yeah, it's interesting how (laughs) these amazing beings of ours that we interact with have so much to teach us, even in in these ways that seem so practical, like their care and keeping. There's so many deep lessons to to learn and, and different ways to look look into ourselves to see how our behaviors and especially I think fear and insecurity roots in us and manifest in these behaviors and the way we keep our horses. It's so true. And fear's been like a big one for me recently. So getting onto a practical note though, I'd actually love to hear what your plans have been to make your pasture more challenging and more fun sure well the first thing um i have a nice little forest in the back of our pasture um you know (laughs) five years ago i would have looked at it and thought well i'll just you know fence this off and they can go around the outside of it and that'll be we don't have to walk them through there because it's got fallen logs and you know, the, the terrain kind of moves up and down. It's it's pretty flat as well. It's on a little bit of a slope, but um, the terrain changes quite a lot. There's lots of divots and little canyons and stuff. And um, so that's kind of the first area that it's, it's on the edge of the pasture. So it will be included in the track, which I will be including. Um, so I have about three acres that are devoted to um, open pasture. And I will be... Um, running a, a track. I haven't exactly decided on the width yet, but um, there'll be a track that runs around the outside of those three acres. And it will be pretty open in the forest, so they'll have free roam, free range of the forest to kind of choose the path that they they like. And interestingly enough, it seems that once they set their path, they they stick with it. They don't really um, they don't really stray from that path which they've set, which I think says a lot about their intuition and finding the path of least resistance and the path that they feel safe on um but yeah that's kind of the that's one of my favorite parts of the property that's already built in and I don't really have to change but other than that it is it is a big flat area and so to kind of give the paddock track along the outside a little bit more variety I've been working on choosing some different ways that I can build up the track and build up the op- like kind of obstacles that I can not place in their path, but place along the track so they can choose to maneuver around them or interact with them as they wish. Um, one of the ones I'm most excited about just for their pure enjoyment is I'm going to be giving them a big sand pit so that they can roll and scratch mm-hmm themselves which I know they're going to be really excited about because all my horses are very proficient rollers they love (laughs) laying down and they love to take naps in the sun so I'm excited to give them that um like I'm hoping to build kind of a safe zone where they all feel comfortable laying down um in this area and especially Misa I don't know if if you've seen if you're familiar with her from my account that she (laughs) she gets very itchy during the summer so it's just kind of her natural uh itch relief that I'm really excited to give to her don't want to ramble on too much but (laughs) that's great though I'm like so it's so cool to hear about all of this 
Awesome. Okay, sweet. Um, well, one of the other obstacle style um, pieces that I'm going to be putting in at, a, at some point, it might not be right away because it's going to take some time, but I'm going to be building up some um, kind of like banks, if you're familiar with eventing, how there's up banks and down banks, mm -hmm. and um, going to be building up some elevated areas. And I'm hoping to do one that has some steps in it that are minor and kind of like more naturally occurring so that they can um, navigate their way up and down uh, more of like slightly rocky um, with some, you know, just some larger rocks. And I'm looking at, you know, five to eight inch rocks that um, are relatively rounded from our local quarries up here that will help build up this, this kind of um, lifted up area. So they can navigate that and um, to encourage some, some movement up and down those, those slopes, I'll be placing um, a variety of different hay stations. So um, uh, something we'll get to later is I do uh, slow feeding so that they have free forage. Um, they're able to pick and choose when they, when they eat as much as they want um, of you know a good high fiber diet. So there'll be hay stations placed up on these kind of slightly elevated areas to encourage them to pick and choose their their obstacles so that they can get to the food. It's so great. I love track systems in general, and uh, it's just and it's so fun to just also think about all the different things you can put in and the different things that are going to challenge and also just like add some flavor to their lives and some decision making. Mm -hmm. Like it sounds like you're making some cool things where they're going to be able to decide where they want to go, how they want to navigate it. And, um, by having hay stations all around the track, actually giving them choice of where they want to be and keeping them moving. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I like the idea of giving them choice because I, I had played around with the idea of making these, um, elevated areas that were as wide as the track was, mm -hmm. but I also recognize that I have a variety of different horses that are in my herd, and I'm not necessarily sure what my herd is going to look like in the future as I take on new horses and as new like herd members move throughout our our um, our facility. I don't want a horse to be limited or feel forced to take on something they're not comfortable with because as we you know, as we're kind of trying to transition away from this flat pasture safe land to something that's a little bit more challenging, we don't want them to feel afraid. We want them to feel like they're comfortable in their bodies. And it's something that, you know, I've been explaining to my partner, they may not use at all at first, and it may take, you know, some encouragement and some play and integrating these obstacles into our daily walks so that that they feel comfortable and able to then make the choice themselves to go over it when they're able to fully trust their body because we've kind of taken away their opportunities to really trust and, and deeply get in, in touch with their abilities. So that's something that I've tried to take into account as well. I love that. I think that's where the balance comes between um, keeping them safe and being their guardians because they are in this human this human world, you know, like we've taken them from in the wild, they have herds and herds have this inherent knowledge and moms teach babies and babies pass that knowledge down and wild horses have this um, savviness about them. And I think this is, mm -hmm. that's where that good like balance of protecting them and keeping them, setting them up for success in our human world, but also like really, um, really looking and valuing what the horse already intuitively knows and what they can do. So I really like that you're looking at that. Well, thank you. I would love to hear some of your ideas too, because I know you're, you know, creating a similar sanctuary for your herd as well. Yeah. Well, so I'm also, I haven't planned out the fencing yet, which is part of the reason why I'm so excited to hear about your plans. I think I'm a little bit, um, a couple steps behind you on uh, the progression of the ranch. But what I'm kind of imagining is possibly two separate track systems, which for anyone who doesn't know what the track system is, basically it's a model of keeping horses that 
more, reflects more the wild horse lifestyle. So like around a big piece of property, you could make a track system where, how would you explain it? It's, I feel like you probably have a really good explanation of exactly what it is. I could, I could pull up the definition really quick here. Um, but you can actually, I did want to point out that it is something that's totally accessible for smaller spaces as well. It's actually a really great way to make use of a small space. Like I said, mine, my little farm is, it's a five acre plot, but I'm dedicating three acres to, to, um, horse living and, um, you know, having just a big pasture, it can actually, it limits a lot, the number of horses you can put on there and how it impacts the, the land and having a track system can actually make it so that you can really utilize the land and have more horses comfortably, um, moving through a smaller plot of land really. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, I think it's one of the absolute best options for a small plot of land. Um, mm-hmm. cause it does, it adds so much more variety and adds so much more walking for the horses and much more movement. Let's see, I have it right here, Paddock Paradise, which is the, um, I think it's kind of the original paddock track system, um, mm-hmm. is a management or boarding concept based upon the lifestyles of the natural, healthy U.S. Great Basin wild horses. It was conceived as a way for horse owners to provide domestic equines with an environment that more closely resembles their natural habitat. Yeah, and who... I always forget his name, but who is the um, man who wrote the book? And Jamie Jamie Jackson, I yes, think. And it's Paddock Paradise, it. A Guide to Natural Horse Boarding, which is a really, really awesome book. I really, really recommend it. Yeah, anyone who is interested in this track system and what we're talking about, definitely, definitely look at that book. This is actually one of the things that I'm – uh, like having to overcome my own fear on is keeping all of the horses together because mm-hmm. I actually, I have one herd that has some of my horses and then they're on the fence line, but they're actually separate. So Annie's herd is on one side and India's herd is on the other and they're all friends, but I'm trying to work up the bravery to actually put them all together, which I know would be the more natural thing for them and they are all a herd they all sleep together they all eat right next to each other but it's I'm still working on the courage to take down that last barrier and one of the reasons why I am nervous to take down the last barrier is because India who's my um, really big amazing uh, Frisian cross mare she's just like Mm. such a goddess she's fantastic Um, but she's huge and She grew up in a way where she was really not taught how to interact with horses. So for a long time, people said I could never have her with any other horses because she was aggressive and she, she was just isolated since she was a really little baby. And she had a very traumatic incident where she got ripped away from her mom. And then right after that, she basically, she was kind of kept isolated. So it's been amazing because slowly I've been able to introduce more, um, horses to her herd. Um, some people might know that India actually had a baby who was the most amazing full ever. And her name was Elle and India was just like the absolute best mom. So when Elle actually passed away, I got Leah, who was also a baby at the time. And they were both sort of mourning Elle as I was. And I just had this like urge that I should put them together because India was such a good mom. Yeah. And they were, I just felt so intuitively that they could be together, even though India, besides her own baby, hadn't been with horses and people said she was dangerous. Um, but it ended up being the best decision because Leah and India are such amazing friends. Like they're, they're really, really, they have such a tight bond and relationship. And so when Moon came along, um, I, I like wanted her to go in with the two of them, but I was still nervous about putting them together. And it actually happened on accident that Moon just happened to get out one day and was in their pasture. And I was kind of oh, across the ranch and I was like, okay, well, this is, this is kind of fate telling me like, I'm just going to see what happens. <laughs> and like India and Moon are coming right at each other. And I'm like, I'll just, you know, close my eyes. They're horses. They can figure it out. And they were totally fine. Then that was, you know, my huge fear of something happening was I just had to accept like they were horses and they were going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. 
But all of that being said, kind of big tangent, I'm still nervous about combining the herds. So I'm really working on that personally and with them to make sure I set it up for success and that I, and that I find like the courage and the intuition of how to do that. But that being said, I'm taking this pretty big piece of land and just in case I'm making two separate systems. Also for in the future, if I happen to have horses that board with me or horses that that just I want to separate for some reason, um, but mm-hmm. I want the option to combine them. So I'm hoping to do like a big track system that goes around these two big fields. The ranch has a big right-hand field and a big left-hand field, and they could connect. And I'm picturing the track kind of going um, one around the left hand, one around the right hand, big pasture in the middle, and then um, options to connect all of them if I wanted to. I love that. But it's interesting. I actually want to ask you how you are dealing with the fears of of adding more challenging to the challenges to their environment and how you are really like building up and and preparing yourself for that as much as you're preparing the horses. Sure. Yeah. Um well, the main thing with the Moving to the new pasture or the new property, um, I'm so excited for it, and I can't wait to have them on this track system. I really feel I feel like they're going to be really confident there. One of the one of my herd actually, um, the littlest one, April, the little Shetland, she actually mm-hmm. lived there for, gosh, I don't know, maybe like eight years or so. She actually like kind of came with the property when when we purchased it. Um, oh wow! The owners <laughs> didn't really want her, so we we ended up. Of course, how could we say no to the cutest yeah. little Shetland pony? But um, so I feel like they're really going to be at home there. My biggest fear is I have been really wanting to introduce Drago to the herd. Mm-hmm. Um, Drago is my um, my Frisian cross who was a stallion up until actually about nine months ago now. And um, he's still very young. He's just going to be turning five this summer. And he's so polite and such a gentleman, and I I really feel like he'll do he'll do pretty well. Although um, I'm still working on integrating him because he also had been raised in total isolation in a very very small um, stall actually, and was not very familiar with movement and was you know it took him a while to even adjust to being in a in a paddock that was not even close to an acre, maybe, maybe three quarters of an acre. And so that's been my biggest fear moving forward is I I have so much trust in him, but it's, it's hard when you have these horses who are, you know, your best friends and your babies and you're trying to integrate a herd that's pretty well established. My little herd of mares that I have going on, they worked out their problems pretty, pretty easily and quickly. Um, and then the one who's the, uh, she's very protective of her herd cricket. Um, she's very aggressive towards Drago, my, my gelding. And I think it stems from when he was a stallion and I would let them interact through the fence and she was absolutely wanted nothing to do with him and gets very protective of her herd. It chases everybody off and tries to go after him over the fence. So that's been a huge fear for me is, how will how will that look while I integrate them? So I've been playing around with the idea of having um, a smaller tr- track system, honestly, that's just for Drago at the moment, um, maybe putting him and Misa together because Misa is such a, she's a wonderful herd mate. And I think she has a lot of ability to affiliate with, with other horses, despite their, um, their abilities to be socially correct as a horse. <laughs> So that's something I've been playing with is putting a smaller um, a smaller track system on the inside so that they could interact over the fences even um, because the the in- inside track fence will be very um, it will be very low impact like it won't seem quite so much as a solid fence it will be solid of course it's going to have um, it's going to have electric wire um, which of course, it adds another little level of fear to me because some of my horses haven't, have not in, encountered electric wire, or I'm actually not sure if they have. Um, 
but I feel like it's the safest alternative for a, a small a smaller fence such as the inside track that I'm envisioning. But yeah, that's kind of something I'm navigating as well too. And really, like you said, just letting go and realizing that that they're horses and they're going to work it out, but also setting them up in the best way possible. Um, you know, like you took it, you took advantage of a, a really tragic situation in which your, your horse was really seeking out, um, seeking out a herd, seeking out comfort and stability that comes from the contact of having another horse. And that really allowed her to connect in this way and open up in a way that maybe she wouldn't have been able to had the situation been different. So kind of learning how to read the situation and assess what's going to be the best for the horse and setting it up so that when you do introduce them, when you do set them out to be horses in their new environment that they are able to be successful which is i think as our a role as you know herd quote unquote herd master when you're when you have a herd of horses or even just a single horse is to set that horse up to be a successful horse on its own and be able to trust itself i love that i really do love that i think um for me, and I would imagine for you too, intuition be- is such a huge part in this. And I'm kind it of, really is, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm like waiting to hear those signals of when it's right. For instance, like with um, combining my herd now, I'm really waiting for, to to kind of get that feeling and then to put my trust in that feeling, because that's all the best decisions I've made, I really think have come from a place of that inner knowing and feeling the timing and feeling, feeling out what could be good because there's so many unknowns with horses too, like in anything. We're all just trying our best, but I, I really feel like you are setting up something that's going to be so beautiful and really set these horses up for such a good life and such great fulfillment as horses. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And likewise, I think it's it's really beautiful to see people, you know, like yourselves, and and I am seeing it more happening across the uh, across the interwaves of people kind of making a transition to keeping their horses in a in a more healthy and natural environment. And it's really really beautiful. It's making it makes me really happy, and it's it's what's inspired me to take this step and and really provide them with. Um, a complex and interactive environment. Yeah, the horse world's really shifting. It's so cool to see. I actually just remembered um, something you wrote on Instagram just a little while ago about an established herd and the mm-hmm. um, need for horses to have an actual, not just interactions with horses, but with an established herd. And I thought that was really interesting because I completely agree. And I also think it's something that isn't talked about as much because I do hear, yeah, yeah, like you hear a lot um, of people saying that, you know, horses need to be with other horses. And that's a pretty like accepted um, thought in the horse world, even though it doesn't always happen. But the thought of it actually being um, like familiar and actually a family of horses is, is a kind of different concept. So I'd love to talk about that. Yeah, I agree. It's really something you hear and see a lot of, oh, well, your horse needs to have social interaction. And that's kind of the extent of it. It's social interaction. Um, and I think digging deeper into that, it's so much more than just interacting socially you know you can see the joy a horse gets when they're running around with their buddies if they've been you know if they've been in a stall or in a paddock and you turn them out with their pasture into their pasture with you know other horses you can see their joys they run around and you'll see affiliative behaviors like mutual grooming and standing close and tail swishing and I, I you know that's beautiful and it's if that's all a horse can get that's it's something that you know if that's all that you can give them, give them as much of it as possible. But if you can, really thinking about offering them a space where they can really build a deep connection with the horses that they're kept with 
in more than just stapled next to way because you do see horses build bonds and um, become close with the horses they're they're stapled next to or pastured next to but it's so different than when they are actually able to interact together there's something huge to be said about horses who are able to um, touch each other it's that's a huge part of the horse's ability to connect with other horses is touching each other um, interacting with each other's body language and being able to move and react to each other i think that's that's so big and it's something that of course we can't truly understand completely because um you know they they can't speak and we also we i feel like there's a lot more studies left to do it's not something that we have studied quite as much as i think needs to be studied and a lot of the studies that have been done have been done in a lens that kind of skews um, mm-hmm. the results. But yeah, having an established herd, which is even if it's just three horses or two horses, um, having that can give them something that's so deep and meaningful to them in a way that I don't know if we can ever truly imagine because ho- horses have such an innate need to have herd. They and if we can imagine, you know, being being told that we can never have a close friend that we could, you know, touch and make contact with, which, of course, in society nowadays, it's so normal to have relationships with people that are are absolutely where you don't touch them whatsoever. And I think that's something that humans are, ourselves are lacking, you know. Um, platonic touch and loving touch mm-hmm. is so important for humans as well and so as someone who's experienced um, kind of opening myself up to um, being more affectionate and touching and loving with friends that has been actually huge in my own personal happiness and realizing that it's something that it's it's almost like a hunger that as animals we experience and maybe that we didn't even realize that was missing. So after that, after experiencing that for myself, I realized I really couldn't deny my horses that as well, because I mean, in a environment where we are giving them everything, like we are giving them their food, their water, their interactions with their environment, the least we can give them is the innate sense of herd that they so desperately need. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, it is very interesting too, that it, you're right, that it reflects in our culture as well, that it's something that we're lacking sometimes that we, we crave those deep, deep relationships. And when we don't find them or we feel limited to them, we feel a strong disconnect that can lead to suffering. And it's very curious. Yeah. Horses are such herd animals like such family family animals and the bonds that they make can be lifelong um, really close partnerships and it's obvious when you see a horse that is very very bonded to another horse and like Leah in India for example they're, they're just such a great example because you can just see it, it's just such a deep friendship that I know if they were ever separated for a very long periods of time, not saying they can't spend time alone, but you know, independence in the way that we sort of value is not the the natural state of the horse. The horse isn't meant to be just alone and they're meant to make these really mm-hmm. deep connections. And I think it's one of the saddest things and also sometimes unavoidable with people when a horse makes such a strong connection with another horse and then that horse just disappears like a couple people boarding at a barn and then a horse is just moved and they've built this really strong connection and you can see that they're very very strongly bonded and then all of a sudden the horse is gone and it can lead to a lot of different suffering and a lot of different um it can be expressed in so many different ways and kind of neurotic behavior from both horses. Mm-hmm. So I I used to have Annie actually in this herd with a bunch of geldings and it was a very consistent herd. Uh, it was the herd that when she came to the ranch where I got her, um, she came in this herd, but she was never very attached to them. Like I could very much tell that 
there was something kind of lacking in her need. And so, and that was actually always something I wanted to provide her with more of. And for so long, I only had Annie. I only had one horse and it was wonderful. And I feel like in many ways we supplied each other the need for herd and I would see her all the time. And I really felt like I was her herd. And, but I always dreamt of, of, you know, expanding and giving her the opportunity to make really strong connections. And I knew from, um, from her past and also just from watching her with other horses that she really connects with mares. She like forms much stronger bonds with mares than with geldings. And I don't think that's the case for all mares, but it's just very specifically her. So when I got uh, like all of a sudden, I think I went from like, I had one horse to having five and it felt like it happened overnight. But I wanted to give Annie that feeling of herd. And I remember when I was just about to kind of introduce them all and they were all, and she was going to be in with Sierra, who's now my horse too. And, um, they were all going to come together. I think part of me was afraid that I might lose that sort of specialness with her, you know, um, because she was going to have this really strong community, but, but I knew she needed the community and I knew that I alone couldn't, I couldn't supply all of that for her. And it ended up being one of the absolute best decisions ever. And I also got to experience herd on a level I had never experienced because before it always been me and Annie. And that was, that is so amazing, but going out and being with the herd, all of the girls together, it's this whole other experience that, I know has enriched Annie's life so much and has also opened my eyes to a whole new, a whole new aspect of horses that I wasn't really getting until we all came together. That is so beautiful. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I absolutely empathize with the internal struggle that comes with releasing that special connection of being her only one. Um, yeah. I think that's something that's, that's so, it's so human. And uh, it, again, you know, it goes so strongly along the, the stories that we tell ourselves as humans that there is only, there can only be one. And, and when you have to share love that it, it somehow dilutes. Right. And I, I really struggled with that as well. When I was introducing Misa to her new herd, um, I kind of had the same thing happen where I went from one horse to like all of a sudden having a bunch of them. Um, and I was so afraid, especially because Misa is so timid and she's so is easily deterred from making connections. Not only would our, our, our love would be diluted because I'm sharing it with this, I'm sharing her with a herd, but also that I wouldn't be able to connect with her because she wouldn't go out of her way to connect with me. And it was really amazing to watch that be so completely false and for yeah. our relationship to like bloom so much more because of it. It was really shocking. I think we all go through that as as horse owners. We want we want our horses to be our best friends. Really, I mean, there it's it's why we spend all of our money on, on horses is because we have such a deep love for them, and we really want to reciprocate that love. But I think it's so important to realize that 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 desire to connect with you has to come from a place of authenticity and not of of um, desperation yes. you know the horse can't be so desperate for any contact that they just want to be with you which is something that I see a lot in more mainstream training I've heard a lot especially when I first got Misa of well if you just put her by yourself and if um, if she gets lonely enough she'll want to hang out with you or if she gets hungry enough she'll want to engage with you if you have food and all those kind yes, of Michael. mindsets um, <laughs> and <laughs> it was it was really shocking to realize that the true authentic connection that comes with allowing a horse to be free. It's one of those things like if you love it, let it go. Mm -hmm. And when you let it go, you become, you become a stronger person and you become a more, honestly, a more attractive partner as, as a, you know, as a friendship goes, if you're insecure and clinging to this relationship and wanting to starve them of of other interactions 
I can see how that would be not necessarily something that leads to an authentic connection. So I totally feel you on on overcoming that fear, but yeah, you you know how beautiful it is when you when you let go and and experiencing the herd as a whole is so rewarding. And even when it was just three horses, when it was just Misa and her two friends, that was that in and of itself, just walking amongst them and interacting with them in the subtle ways that come with just standing amongst horses. It's so beautiful and it creates such deep, deep levels of connection in, you know, something that's so different than what you see the word connection tossed around a lot. But truly connecting on a on a simple level rather than, you know, does my horse listen to me when I ask it to do X? Does it do Y when I do when I ask it to do Z? But instead of that, or instead of does my horse follow me or et cetera, et cetera, just the connection of being and being close and being around while they're existing in happiness, that's so important. Yes. Oh, I Yes, 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 yes. I I love everything you just said. I completely agree. <laughs> and I think I think that fear of of being afraid that if the horse is full enough or if the horse is like completely full and satisfied, there's not going to be room for you or they're not going to want to be with you. It is such an interesting place of coming at the horse from lack that they only really want you if if they have no better options, which I think is a really interesting kind of reflection of how we feel about ourselves. And like you were saying, yeah, the thought of whether you are enough for the horse and that kind of insecurity coming out, which I can so, so relate to. And, you know, I even still like it can come up in, in moments where I'm not feeling validated in myself that is the pressure and that is the the drive that I think that makes us want to keep our horses also kind of locked up and and with us and and it actually limits the relationship from going to this beautiful abundant place where when the horse is fully satisfied and the horse feels great in how they live and they feel good in their relationships with horses or great with their relationships with horses and they feel satisfied in their need for space and for herd and for mental stimulation, then when they come to you or not just physically come to you, but when they, when you meet them in that place, you're experiencing, like you said, like something so authentic and beautiful in just the being, in the being in that space. And I think it's from that place of satisfaction that higher connection begins. So you can actually look forward to more connection. I couldn't agree with you more. (laughs) I love that you use the word abundance too, because the contrast between, yeah, coming from the horse, coming to the horse from a place of lacking versus coming to the horse with abundance is so, there's such a huge distinction there. And it's something that's so simple, you know, you think it's, well, it's just a mindset. It's just how we, it's just what we're thinking, but that affects everything so deeply. And when the horse feels the fullness of abundance, and when you realize that giving them abundance and coming, coming to them full yourself, you know, giving yourself the the love and attention and, and the things that we need, the self-care that we have to give ourselves, then I think that's also another important, you know, we're talking about <laughs> caring for the horse and giving them all we all they need, but also we are a member of the herd in a, you know, in a human way, in our own human way, we're members of these horses herds and we have to be balanced as well. We don't want to be throwing off their, you know, balanced and and calm energy with with instability and insecurity and and it's something that we can really we can look at the way the herd interacts with us and take away a lot of lessons to help us see what needs to be addressed within ourselves to be full abundant herd members. Oh, I so agree. This past year for me, I think has really been focused on the lessons of the horse that have to do with self-love and not needing them to also validate you 
not because they don't love you, but because you can find that for yourself. And when you do come full yourself, you have room in your heart to love them in a more pure way because you're not just wanting to fill your own lack of love. So I've been really trying to focus on where the places I can fill myself and I can I can extend that love to me so that when I do come to the horses, I can come there in a fuller, more loving state in general. Well, I love that. <laughs> you know what this is also making me think of when you said um, you were talking about like coming to the horse and not it having to just be like about what they'll do when you ask X, you know, what they can do for you, what jerks you're doing, blah, 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 all of that. I actually saw this gallery of Jim Carrey and he, I hope I'm not getting the the message, message of his art wrong, but um, it was like a gallery of paintings he did. And he wrote one thing about the difference or about getting out of a state of becoming because there's a trap in constantly wanting to become that we feel this pressure of if you're constantly seeking becoming you're never satisfied with where you are and you're never satisfying satisfied with being and that's really stuck with me um ever since I saw that because I think it's so true for ourselves and with the horses that if we're constantly seeking out where we're going we're never experiencing where we are and if we're experiencing truly where we are in the moment and we're fully satisfied there with whatever it is, then love rushes in in this whole other way. And true, quote, like transformation of like bringing out the soul and bringing out your heart in that way, it's in the state of being where that really happens. Hopefully I didn't get that all wrong from his message, but it kind of like, that's what in, it inspired in me were those feelings. It's so interesting too, because when you look at a, an established herd, like we were talking about, they exist in such a fluid state of being where they aren't, they don't have to have such a anticipatory state. You know, when we look at horses that are stabled in more traditional means, a lot of times they build a lot around schedule and anticipation. And I think that can be so detrimental for a being that truly does live in the moment in such a natural state. Like when horses are kept in their natural state, they aren't, they don't have expectations and they don't, they aren't, you know, desperately waiting for their food to come around and they aren't desperately waiting to be turned out in the mornings and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so when a horse lives in an established herd that, um, especially personally, I love so much the, um, the transition I've made to free forage, slow feeding, where they have access to a like slow limited intake of food all the time so that they're kind of, they're able to be eating all the time. It really has taken the state of being to such another level where they feel provided for and they feel held and nurtured all the time. And even when little hiccups happen, like, of course they do in herds where, you know, one horse pushes the other horse off that food net and the other horse has to walk to the other food net. And, you know, maybe they get irritated with each other at certain points or they want space. They, they simply ask for it and they simply make their needs known. And then the ripples calm down and the waters become still again and they are back into a state of being and, and enjoying and being fully present in the moment. Yes. There is such an interesting thing around food of um, the horse that is meant to graze 24-7 and that's what they've been designed to do. Or not 24-7, but you know, many of those hours. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting how um, we do bring a lot of desperation into food by keeping it limited and when it feels scarce. And then you do see more horses really pushing each other aggressively or getting kind of obsessive about it to the point where they're bullying horses because yeah. they're in a state of kind of panic and irritation around food. And then coming in with treats, for instance, yeah, with like training, you know, and you're going to, and then if you bring food into that and there's already a lack in, in the, you know, feelings around food, or if it feels scarce and it feels like something that they have to kind of fight for, 
then that definitely affects training if you're trying to use treats in any way as um, as a reward because all of a sudden it's this limited it's this limited resource that either the horse will push past their boundaries or they could push past their boundaries for it if it if it's the scarce thing or you know a, a whole different um, a bunch of things can arise and I think it's interesting that when if people do want to bring treats into training which I think is like with positive reinforcements, totally something that it works beautifully. But if you're coming from that place of, um, the horse feels limited in their food, then it's a different dynamic. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a huge problem. And it's something that I hear a lot when I recommend myself personally, I use treats um, and positive reinforcement in my training. Um, (laughs) but my horses have access to food all the time and they have access to a, pretty much the same thing that I'm offering them as treats. I use hay pellets that are very bland and it's interesting that if I were to put a bowl of these pellets onto the ground, like they'd probably pick at it, but they wouldn't desperately eat it because they don't really care about it. But they'll also leave their food to come and interact um, for training sessions where they know there will be treats potentially. Um, but when, when a horse that is kept on a diet that is more scheduled, um, where, you know, they're getting fed twice a day, or some horses are getting fed three times a day, some horses are getting fed once a day. Um, you see when you try and introduce treats to them during that time, all the issues that arise, the the things that people say to me all the time that, oh, well, your horse is only interacting because of the treats or, oh, I don't want my horse to only value the food and not value myself and the interactions that we're doing. I want the training to be based on something that's more real. Yes, absolutely. I agree. So if we give that horse the abundance to where food and treats don't necessarily become anything more than just an ability to show a click, a yes, that was good, then it's so different than if your horse is desperately trying to get that food because their stomach hurts and because their instincts are telling them that if they don't get this food now, they're not going to eat until their next meal, which is so unnatural for, for horses. And I can absolutely see where the problems arise when people try and introduce treats and positive reinforcement. And all of a sudden they have this monster on their hands. That's like, you know, the, the self-preservation of the horse rearing its head and saying, I need this food, give it to me now. So I, I can absolutely understand where people feel um, apprehensive about um, introducing treats. But again, like this whole conversation is, has been about addressing the full needs of the horse. When all the needs are met, then it opens up these beautiful new ways in which we can interact and a lot of the quote unquote rules and the, the things that we think we know about horses kind of go out the window, especially when it comes to behavior and um, training, once the horse is fully fulfilled and feels that abundant and connection. Yes, because um, we aren't really used to horses that are fully fulfilled, I think, as equestrians. So I completely agree. Like I use... Um, positive reinforcement as and treats as one of my rewards for different horses, depending on what they like as well. And I also use just like hay pellets. They're like very low reward, but it is very different taking a horse that is either on grass or has unlimited forage through like hay nuts and whatnot versus a horse Mm -hmm. that is starving. That's why I think it's so important to address the needs of the horse first, because before we can really get into the, um, human horse interaction part of horsemanship and in what we would call like quote training or play or anything like that. I think these needs, these being fulfilled fully first, that is where you start from like a really great foundation. And that's where you can build something beautiful on top of it. But it has, this has to come first. Yes, I agree. I agree completely. That's that to me, that's so important especially when you see horses that are maybe seen as problem horses or horses mm-hmm. that need help. If we look first to how are they kept, how are they fed, what are their basic needs and are their basic needs being met? And, and from there we can, we can go on to mental health and potentially rehabilitating any issues that may arise other than the base needs not met. Right. Like looking into past and what they've been, 
the breaking of horses, all of that. Yeah, this is, is a wonderful first step. So I'm so excited for your ranch. I cannot wait to see how it is when it's done. And you're inspiring me a lot for my own property and what I want to do there. So thank you so much for being here with me today. This has been so fun for me. And I just love talking about this part of horsemanship. And like I said, I'm so excited for you. So if people wanted to get in touch with you and they want to see what you're doing and they want to learn from you or take lessons or whatever you do, all of that, where can they find you? Well, thank you so much for having me on. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Unbridled Goddess. And if you are interested in getting in touch with me, you can either send me a DM or a better way to get in touch with me to send an email to, it's a, it's Tara at unbridledgoddess.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for talking with me. And I I can't wait to see how all of this goes for you. You are quite the inspiration. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you and you inspire me endlessly as well. So this has been so fulfilling. And, uh, you know, we just spent so long talking about herd and fulfilling the needs of horses but I feel like my needs for herd have been so fulfilled by this conversation and I'm really really glad that I've gotten to connect with you so thank you for (laughs) giving me that gift I really appreciate it oh I feel just the same way it's I love talking about this and and you're so cool (laughs) (laughs) thanks likewise Thank you all so much for the support. Everyone who has shared or left a review on iTunes or just has listened to this podcast, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you liked this episode and feel like leaving a review on iTunes or sharing it with your friends, it is so appreciated. Thank you all so much, and I will see you next week.